Hey, we are so thankful that you're taking the time to tune into Grumlaw Church's podcast. It's our hope that this is an encouragement to you as you draw closer to Jesus. If you'd like to find out more about all things Grumlaw or for more info on our in-person gatherings, you can check us out at grumlaw.com. Now lean in. We're expectant for how God is going to use this time to speak to you today. It is so good to be able to connect with you right now, wherever you're at, wherever you're connecting with us at Grumlaw Church. I'm confident that today you will be challenged and you're going to be inspired, not because of me, but because literally the creator of the universe, the Holy Spirit himself wants to connect with you today, whether you're feeling really close to Jesus, distant, or maybe even just checking this Christianity Jesus thing out, God is going to speak. I want to start with a story, a story that kind of encompasses where we're at in this season that we're in right now, like spring, summer, but we've had this incredible summer weather. And most people like to be on the water, in the water, near the water, playing in the water. And several years ago, I was at a camp speaking and uh, we went to the dunes one day and people also brought boats. And so there was just a lot of kids on the water, wakeboarding, skiing, just enjoying the water. And one of the drivers said, hey, Terry, you want to take a ski? And I was into it. And so he said, what is it, one or two? I said, one ski, put that slalom ski on, popped up. And let me tell you, I was probably a little bit more full of myself than I needed to be because I was getting in some really good cuts, was getting in some really good sprays. And then uh, it was time for me to go in. And in my mind, I'm thinking, I'm going to go to shore. I'm going to do one last big spray uh, kind of impress some people, that kind of thing. And so when I was on the other side of the boat, I cut uh, both of the wakes. And as I cut that wake, I am at some pretty good speed. And unbeknownst to me, uh, we were in a sandbar area and I hit a sandbar and I became a projectile that shot literally about 30 to 35 yards through the air, hit the sand, and I'm telling you, I looked like a cinnamon donut. Thank God that I wasn't busted up too much except for my ego a little bit, but I was upside down, I was inside out, and that is what puts us right on topic with what we're talking about during this series, upside down. Jesus literally flips people's thinking upside down. His teaching in what we're going to be focusing on is opposite of our instincts. It's actually an invitation Back to God's way. This, which we're highlighting in the next eight weeks, uh, it's called the Sermon on the Mount, but we're focusing on the Beatitudes, is the longest and most famous recorded sermon that Jesus had. There were literally thousands of people that were viewing this, listening to this, experiencing to this. It was like a small football stadium. And it wasn't something that, um, was completed in a few hours. It was actually days. Now, 
let me share something here uh, because something's lost a lot of times when it's read. This was not a hallmark, we know how the movie's going to end, feel good kind of experience or presentation. This was what would be called a come to Jesus moment. It was an inventory time. It was a time where Jesus was saying, I'd like you to evaluate and change. And so these Beatitudes, which are part of the Sermon on the Mount, are eight statements that are foundational to the Jesus way. Let me interpret it this way. Jesus was coming to be a transformer, not just a tweaker. This was an overhaul of the religious system. It wasn't just a tune-up that a motor needs. It was a rebuild or to even make it plainer and more graphic, this was surgery, not a Band-Aid. Jesus was saying, I'm flipping what you thought about God and the kingdom of God. I'm flipping it upside down. Now, let me take the funnel and bring it in a little bit more. Jesus was pointing out in this unbelievable scene on the Sermon on the Mount that position, authority, money are not the top priority in God's kingdom. What is? Faithful obedience. For him or her who knows to do right and does it not, it's sin. The Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, was challenging the religious, legalistic, pompous leaders. Obedience is better than sacrifice. Now, imagine this large, large crowd, and I've often wondered if when God, the creator of the universe, which Jesus was a part of that design, if he you know, kind of knew that this was the place where he was going to deliver this sermon. And as a result, he put together this unbelievable amphitheater. Because if you've ever been in an incredible symphony hall, you know that there are times that a communicator, a singer, a performer doesn't even have to have amplification for everyone to experience what needs to be experienced in that hall. Was that what took place here was it like that everybody, not just the disciples, but everybody was experiencing this? And Jesus starts in this unbelievable symphony-setting amphitheater, and he starts with words that seem to contradict. And you see, God's way of living contradicts the world and culture. God's way, God's sayings will seem and do seem odd with culture. I mean, think about it. Jesus talks about giving and not taking, loving and not hating, helping and not abusing. The Beatitudes are a picture of God's people living on earth as it is in heaven. It's kind of like the Lord's Prayer. That's what the Lord Prayer says. Now, this is a screenshot moment in my opinion, so if you're near your phone, take this out because this is going to be coming up on the screen. What, what is really being said here is this, is that 
God's people bringing the currency of heaven and literally spending it on earth. In fact, it, it, it tells us this very clearly, and let's zero in on what I've been talking about in Matthew 5. Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them. He said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. You see, blessed here refers to the highest type of well-being possible for human beings. An incredible um, uh, Christian thinker, Dallas Willard, said that. God and Jesus is basically saying, live this way, be poor in spirit, and I am on your side, and a piece of heaven is going to come and be in you so you can pass it on to other people. Now, I just want to clear the air here that these eight Beatitudes are not eight steps for God's blessing, and if you do these, it's Zimbo, Zambo, all of a sudden, there's a blessing on you. No, poor in spirit has the idea of literally physical and spiritual poverty, or to say it another way, bankruptcy. It's interesting that government and religious institutions, a lot of times it's about protecting their profits. How do they look to other people and how can they take care of their bottom line? You see, human systems deal with conformity versus authenticity. And being poor in spirit, there's the realization that we are unable to bring value to God. I don't know if you've ever thought about this before. I've given some thought to that, this thought this week. Poor literally means that we have less to lose. So maybe there's something to that which has been written in Scripture that the first will be last and the last will be first. By the way, this isn't a confession of insignificance. This isn't a confession that we have no value, but it's a realization that left up to ourselves, we're pretty sinful and we can be incredibly rebellious. You see, to be poor in spirit is acknowledging that we have no spiritual assets without Christ. We're spiritually bankrupt. The ancient Greeks used to have two words, um, one was the working poor and one was for the truly poor. And in this context, this is the truly poor. It literally means that we need to beg for whatever they have or get. I find myself when I get up in the morning praying something similar to that. Lord, without you, I am nothing today. I, I won't represent myself properly. God, I beg for your spirit to work in and through me. See, Jesus is saying that you and I are blessed when we stop getting caught up in comparing ourselves with others. Maybe to summarize the way I've been discussing this, it can be described in this way. We need to stop saying 
and I'm saying this of myself, it's not look at who I am, but look at who God is. The thought for the day today, the big idea is this. Jesus starts the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount with poor in spirit because that's when we are empty of our pride, our power, and our position. To just give a little bit more clarity to understanding the Beatitudes, there's four keys to understand them. Yes, there's no question that this was a code of ethics for the disciples, but it also was a standard of conduct for those of us today. So it's not just for the disciples, it's for us. The Beatitudes are showing us kingdom values which are eternal and world values that are in fact temporary. It's also making a differentiation between superficial faith and living faith. Superficial faith was just religiosity and that of the Pharisees, whereas living faith goes even beyond just believing in Jesus, but it's following Jesus. And of course, the Beatitudes do something else. It takes the Old Testament expectations and there's fulfillment of that in the kingdom of God and in the new covenant as is described in the New Testament. With this understanding, the Beatitudes are not multiple choice, pick and choose. It's a pack. It's, it's absolutely a package. Blessed encompasses this, that there now is hope and joy and contentment and purpose because we're independent of outward circumstances. It's almost like we get the golden buzzer, like America's Got Talent. Let me bring it down and bring it home even a little bit more in the funnel. How do we make it practical? Well, that can be summarized with one word, and that word is empty. Empty. Would you say that with me? Empty. Um, how do I want to illustrate that? If, if you have uh, a piece of machinery, maybe you have a chainsaw, a weed whacker, uh, a lawnmower, that the fuel has become bad, what do you do? You empty it out, you clean it before you put new fuel in. Otherwise, uh, it's just going to be more complications with bad fuel. If, if you get a bad and, oh man, I cringe at this. If you ever had a really good cookie, your favorite cookie, and a glass of milk, and you drink the milk and it's soured, do you keep drinking that milk? No way. You puke it out, you get rid of it, you rinse it, and you get some new milk. You empty it. So if we're going to be poor in spirit, we're going to look at three Ps that describe us emptying ourselves and being more like Jesus. The first P is this, we empty our pride. The poor in spirit have a complete absence of pride and a complete absence of self-assurance and self-reliance because we look then a lot like Jesus and Jesus is described in an incredible way in the book of Philippians.
In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. That's our model. That's our person. John Ortberg, author, speaker, said this, The sin of pride is the oldest one in the book. Pride says, I'm too good for that person. I'm too good to be in that situation. I'm too good to be put in that context. Pride says, I'm too important. Pride says, my time is of value and it would be better spent this way. Pride says, look at me. When I was just finishing high school and going into college, my mom, who was my greatest cheerleader, uh, we were eating dinner and she just said, do you believe I love you? And there was no doubt about that. Do you believe I pray for you? There was no question about that. Do you believe that I would do anything for you within reason that was appropriate? Absolutely, no question about that. She said, well, then good, because then maybe you're going to be able to accept this, but the way you're acting right now and thinking of yourself, you make me want to puke. That was hard to hear. And I didn't like it. But she was right. Pride. There's different forms of pride. There's vanity. It's unbelievable the amount of cosmetic surgery that is going on today because of vanity. I was with someone just recently, and I, I didn't say it, but I definitely thought it. I, I, I thought, I, I'd really like to know what your eyes really look like, what your cheeks really look like, what your nose really looks like, what your lips really look like, because everything on you is fake, and it looks it. Did I say that? No, but I was thinking it. A form of pride is stubbornness. When we're just not willing to change, that's the way I am, or we're not willing to hear wise words from someone that may be part of a refining process. Another form of pride is exclusiveness with God and with others. John Ortberg also had an incredible quote, pride destroys our capacity to love. Why? Because we exclude rather than embrace. We bow to the God of self versus to the God of the universe. We judge versus serve. And we get into an unbelievable dilemma of always comparing ourselves with other. We always get into this incredible competition and we're always comparing ourselves with others. James addresses this. God opposes the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And in the verse before James 4, 6, in verse 5, it says that those who are humble will generously be given grace. Let me ask you something right now. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you right now? Where is pride 
off the scale a little bit and it needs to be ramped in. Would you be poor in spirit and humble yourself and admit that? And then begin to make changes? I've already said it that our big idea and our thought for the day is that Jesus starts with poor in spirit because that's when we are empty of our pride and our second P, our power. We empty our power. We release that to God. True disciples, their, their poverty has touched their inmost being so that they now depend entirely upon God. Let's look at how Jesus illustrates this later in this book of Matthew. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. <laughs> Who's the greatest in the kingdom? A child. This blew the religious Jewish establishment's mind because children were not important in that society. They were to be overlooked until they got older and they could be seen. Right now, they were, it was just like a babysitting course. Who's the greatest? A child. Is a child threatening? No. Uh, a child doesn't uh, intuitively come in like a bully, look who I am. No, there is an innocence about them. Who's the greatest? A child. Because a child is miserable, miserable at hiding and deceiving and putting on a facade. They can't fake it. So I already asked the question about our pride. Where do you need to give up power? And it's not a sign of weakness, but it would be a sign of strength. The thought for the day, the big idea, Jesus starts this whole incredible sermon in the Beatitudes with poor in spirit because that's when we are empty of our pride, our power, and even in our position. But let, let, let me share something, a little insight into these, these eight statements, these eight phrases. The first Beatitude and the eighth Beatitude is all in the present tense. So we begin to live it now. Beatitude two through seven is future. This isn't just something that we look forward to. The truth is when we empty ourselves of our pride and our power and the third P, we empty our position, then all of a sudden we begin to experience heaven here on earth immediately. Years ago, I was invited to a pretty prestigious uh, dinner by the individual that was really ahead of it. I was honored to be there and uh, to be attending it. 
I thought for sure, I, I just assumed that because of who invited me, how I was invited, that I would probably at a, be at a certain table. And to my dismay, and I admit this, I was at one of the back tables sitting with people that were really not on the A-list. One of the greatest experiences that I've ever had in my life. And Jesus expounds on this in the second gospel. Sitting down, Jesus called the twelve and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. He took a little child, whom he placed among them. Taking the child in his arms, he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me, and whoever welcomes me does not welcome me but the one who sent me. Isn't this incredible? He takes it back to the children to the child who's going to be the greatest, not the high and mighty, but he starts off and he says, who's ever going to be first is going to be last, who's ever is going to be last is going to be first. And that's exactly the way Jesus lived because Jesus was first, but he made himself last. And Jesus was a king who became a servant. And to all who realized that they don't deserve the blessing of God, the blessing of God is available through Jesus Christ, the servant God. And you know what's incredible? When this begins to make the connections in our mind and in our hearts and in our will and in our behavior, we never forget that God is on our side. God is on your side. If you listened to the message last week, you know that we made a pretty big deal about uh, spending time this summer with God and not taking a recess, not taking a vacation from God. And we have an incredible tool. Uh, we literally have Matthew journals and last week, people just were grabbing those up. And you're listening to this online. I would ask you to uh, literally come to church and get one of those. Order those online. But literally take time to read through the book of Matthew this summer and let this germinate, digest this, meditate on this, reflect on this. So for this week, it would be meditating on what does it really mean for me to be poor in spirit? One of the things that I'm realizing is this, is that in our, uh, let me not say our, in my empty bankrupt state, Jesus came and Jesus, through the Holy Spirit, speaks to me and wants to speak to you today. Let me just ask you this. Maybe you've been listening to this and there's been something that the Holy Spirit's been doing and you don't even understand it, but you're saying, I'm, I'm sensing and I'm feeling the connection through you, Terry, and through other people at Grumlaw, but I don't know that I have that connection that way. That may be because... You've never surrendered. You've never acted in obedience. You've never responded to the invitation of Jesus. 
and today is your day of salvation. Would you admit your sinfulness? Would you admit that you cannot do this on your own? Would you ask Jesus Christ to come into your life to forgive you of your sins and to make a decision to live for him from this day on? Maybe for others of you, maybe there was that time that uh, Jesus became a significant part of your life. He, be, he was your savior. There was a time when you were walking with him, but you've fallen away. And today is a day of repentance to say, I'm sorry. Father God, please forgive me. Holy Spirit, fill me. Jesus, I want to live like you. To summarize this talk today, and by the way, uh, like I said, this was a surgery talk. This wasn't a, just a little pep talk because it gets so glossed over when people just read it quickly. There's a choice here. There's a choice we have right here. Here's the way uh, this first beatitude could in fact be written from culture side. Wretched are the spiritually self-sufficient, for theirs is the kingdom of hell. Or, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Your choice. How will you live and how will you choose today?